Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 422. He began to putter around the room, restoppering bottles and tucking them into cabinets, straightening up stacks of papers and returning books to their shelves. Speaking of serious scholarship, if I remember correctly, you were curious about the Lackless family. I simply stared at him for a moment. With everything that had happened since, I'd all but forgotten the pretense of the anecdotal genealogy I'd invented yesterday. If it wouldn't be any trouble, I said quickly. As I've said, I know practically nothing of them. Codicus nodded seriously. In that case, you might be well served in considering their name. He adjusted an alcohol lamp underneath a simmering glass alembic in the midst of an impressive array of copper tubing. Whatever he was distilling, I guessed it wasn't peach brandy. You see, names can tell you a great deal about a thing. I grinned at that, then fought to smother the expression. You don't say. He turned back to me just as I got my mouth under control. Oh yes, he said. You see, names are sometimes based on other, older names. The older the name, the closer it lies to the truth. Lackless is a relatively new name for the family, not much more than 600 years old. For once, I didn't have to feign amazement. 600 years is new? The Lackless family is old. He stopped his pacing and settled down into a threadbare armchair. Much older than the House of Alvaron. A thousand years ago, the Lackless family enjoyed a power at least as great as Alvaron's. Pieces of what are now Vintus, Modeg, and a large portion of the small kingdoms were all Lackless lands at one point. What was their name before that? I asked. He pulled down a thick book and flipped its pages impatiently. Here it is. The family was called Laclos or Loclos or Lelos. They all translate the same, Lockless. Spelling was rather less important in those days. What days were those? I asked. He consulted the book again. About 900 years ago, but I've seen other histories that mention the Loclos family before the fall of Atur. I boggled at the thought of a family older than empires. So the Lockless family became the Lackless family. What reason could a family have for changing its name? There are historians who would cut off their own right hands to answer that, Codicus said. It's generally accepted that there was some sort of falling out that splintered the family. Each piece took on a separate name. In Atur, they became the Lackkey family. They were numerous, but fell on hard. End of the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. And we are again without without our Nick. But we are getting to... Some fun stuff. Yeah, we're getting to the textual evidence for a theory that Nick has been at the forefront of pushing on this podcast, which is that the, the Lackless family, who textually are just this sort of minor plot point about that Quoth is courting one of them are actually older and more important than that. And that the lackless box, the lackless lands uh, are all key to the, the many mysteries in this book. And this is the first actual textual evidence that we might have to, to think about that, that they're this ancient family that goes back before Atur, which suggests that they could go back like as far as recorded history goes, right. They could go back to the creation war. Maybe. Yeah, that's sort of, like, even to think about that in almost a, a real-world sense, maybe, like, just, maybe not necessarily something being, like, a name being 900 years old, but just, like, having a name that was older than empires. Like, imagine having a last name that was older than, like, the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. I, like, that's, 
that'd be crazy and also super cool. And I wonder if it's real and out there somewhere. I mean, there are families that claim to go back that long, right? Like there are, I'm sure there are European families who claim that their ancestry goes back to the Roman empire or before, you know, certainly the, like, you know, the Merovingians claim they're all descended from Christ. Uh, and they like they were around for a while and it becomes, of course, the farther you go back, the harder it becomes to separate the myth from the reality, especially because tying your family's past to like an important ancient empire was a really good way to sort of cement your family's prestige. Right. So like Great Britain really liked to claim that they had like a connection to the Christ myth because Joseph of Arimathea came to the British Isles at some point. And there's no real evidence in any like biblical scripture to suggest that that's true, but it became like a widely accepted part of like the mythology of, of Britain in the same way that like King Arthur became a widely accepted, you know, at some point we had a mythical King in the past whose name was Arthur and who had a round table, even though there's like no archeological evidence or textual historic historical evidence to support that there was actually a guy called King Arthur who, you know, had a round table and all that. Also, well, I I appreciate Roth is kind of pulling from reality when he's talking about how the name changes over time and over area. Because like my last name is like that. There's a lot of different people who have like like Haney or Ho- Honey. I can't actually I can't I totally can't pronounce it because it's like too close to the like Irish way of saying it. But like there's like all sorts of different ways to spell and say my last name. And like, theoretically, we should all be able to track ourselves back to the same spot in Ireland, Mm. which is nuts. Do you know like (laughs) where that name comes from originally? Like what? No, I've never been able to track it all the way back, but I, on my dad's side, uh, they came during the potato famine and essentially like everybody who showed up here during the potato famine, like records were lost because so many people came over. But a bunch of people who would have had like that same name ended up spreading out all over uh, like North America and Canada and the States. So like there's a bunch of people with like similar last names to mine around. Mm -hmm. And I, sometimes I meet them and I'm like, Hey, I bet we're related really way down the line. (laughs) Mm. Well, and uh, it's also the case that like, we didn't start standardizing the spellings of words until like, pretty recently like you know the first dictionary is less than 400 years old and even then you know spellings didn't become standardized until well after that so between that and the fact that like words and languages and pronunciations change over time it makes you're right that it has that grounding in historical reality the way that the lockless name changes over time yeah i like that whole idea i think like it's it's so much fun in reality and it's just as much fun to have it in in the book. It makes the book feel more real while also making reality feel more like fun and exciting. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Now, Codicus, there's two ways to read him on this page. You know, if you think that he is an arcanist who is like trained and whatever, then he's clearly knowledgeable about history and he's just using this book to jog his memory and remind him of what he basically already knows. But if you think that Codicus is a fraud, then in the last scene, he blew Quoth off kind of, he was like, well, I can talk, I can talk to you more about the Lockless family. Like the next time I see you. And then in the meantime, between then and now he has found a book on this other guy's shelf 
and read it and gone, okay, now I can tell him about this one thing. Cause I've like, I've been cramming about it for the last 24 hours. And then he like has the book to refer to when he goes, ah, well the Lackless family, I can tell you this, this, and this. That yes, those are both very good reads. I also think that there is another sort of in between fence sitting option, because if anyone's going to pull out a fence sitting option, it's going to be me where he is. And he isn't a fraud. He is a fraud in the arcanist sense, but not necessarily in the historian sense. Maybe he does actually know stuff about the Lackless family. And he's just using this book because it's a reference that he happens to know about. And he is still also an arcanist fraud. Like you can be an expert in genealogy and not be an arcanist. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe he studied at the university in like the academic sense, but he never learned the magic stuff. Or studied at a university, anyway. Now, all of this is thrown into question by something that is revealed by the end of this chapter. But we'll get there when we get there. I also, there is something on this page that I wanted to talk about last page that I didn't. And, like, at the very beginning of the page, I was reminded of again. And I almost forgot it again. And I probably would have been reminded of it again tomorrow, but I'm going to remember it. It is that it doesn't... I keep having to remember that only a day has passed. Since the last time he saw Codicus? Yeah. And like so much feels like it's happened. Like when he has that little stuttery like moment and is like, oh yeah, right. I asked him about the Lackless family. Like I have that moment too, because I was so wrapped up in all this stuff happening with the mayor. Like what? That was yesterday? (laughs) Yeah, he went into town, he like got the ingredients for the thing to give the mayor, he bumped into Denna, he's had some time to like play a game of tack with with Brayden. So you're right that a lot has happened in the last 24 hours. Say it's been a it's been a busy day in the world of Quoth. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've had a day that busy in a long time. Well, there are, you know, there are years when nothing happens and there are weeks when decades happen. Indeed. Ooh, I like that. Mm-hmm. I definitely did not come up with that on my own. That's fine. That doesn't mean I don't like it Mm -hmm. any less or that I like it any less. The only other thing I wanted to bring up on this page is whatever alchemical thing he's fiddling with, those are different tools than he was fiddling with yesterday when he made the mayor's potion. Yes. He well, he's distilling something in the background. Right. But he's, but Quoth is there to get the mayor's medicine. Codicus must know that. Yeah. But I also think that, whatever else he's working on is is not related to the mayor's medicine. I think that the copper tubing that is not like what he had yesterday. So you think he is just making like bath bathtub hooch? I mean, I don't necessarily think that it's bathtub hooch. I just think that maybe Codicus has more going on than just the mayor and Quoth. Maybe someone else came to Codicus and was like, hey, I need a love potion. And Codicus set up this, this doodad something. Right. I know it's not a love potion because he says he specifically doesn't do that. But my point is that like he's making something for someone and it's not Quoth or the mayor. See, my assumption is just that it is set dressing for the gullible rube that Quoth is pretending to be. Codicus is, is thinking he's not going to know the difference between what I did yesterday and what I did today because he is, you know, a simpleton. So I'm just going to like set up some, some science-y looking doodads in the background to amuse him. I mean, that seems like a lot of trouble. Like, why would you go to the extra effort when you can just do the same thing you did the other day? An excellent question to which I do not have an answer. Hmm. Well, we can ponder that more. Maybe we'll have an answer on tomorrow's page. Of? The? Wee!